morning. That was loud, sorry. All right. Welcome to New Life Community Church. We are a multi-ethnic community-based church that believes that Jesus turns our mud into miracles. And so uh, we believe that we are stronger and healthier when we are connected to other believers. So we invite you to join one of our life groups that meet during the week. And um, for more information, check out the list of life groups in the back. You'll see the little sign that says life groups on there. Um, and if you consider New Life to be your home church, uh, we invite you to partner with us in financial giving. Financial giving is an act of worship, and it allows the church to pay our staff, keep the lights on, help the community. And you can give through any of the um, ways listed on the screen. And so 10% of that, right, it goes to our benevolence fund that helps out the community. Um, men, men of New Life, where you at? Yeah. Oh, man, you guys are weak, bro. Like, it's, I got to wake up, man. This is... This is this pumps me up right here because this is the first, um, uh, this is the first, I believe, men's retreat, right? It's the first men's retreat, man. Hey, there's still, there's still time to sign up for, for the men's retreat. It's not quite, I, I was hoping for like a survival weekend, you know, where we kind of live off the land type of retreat, but it's going to be kind of plush. But still, man, you guys got to sign up. So it's on March 17th through 19th in the San Bernardino Mountains at Forest Home, right? Stop by the table on the patio after service. Uh, you can see, um, I think Dave will be back there, probably Alicia and, and somebody else uh, taking care of that stuff. So full payments are due by next Sunday. If you guys got anybody else that wants to sign up, there's still time. So, I mean, you know, spread the word, push it, man, so we can all get up there. It's the first, first one, so I think that that will be really good for us, something that we all needed. And then the, the women's retreat will be sometime soon, too, so something to look forward to. Now, I'd like to welcome uh, Pastor Chris. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Some of us men are really happy that this retreat is in very comfortable uh, lodgings. So, well, hey, I want to bring up uh, Pastor Mark and Pastor Fedna, our youth pastors here. Welcome them up. Come on now. They, uh, they've got an amazing ministry that's popping right now, and they've got a retreat coming up. And uh, they um, uh, are going to tell you a little bit about the retreat. And, uh, and then we're going to bring up some of the volunteers and pray for them. So go ahead. Uh, yes, so we're going to Big Bear this weekend, uh, Pine Summit. Uh, it's going to be cold. Uh, it looks like the high is going to be 33 degrees, and it's going to be in the teens. So it's going to be truly a winter camp. So, but uh, we're taking 41 teens. So they're going to be brought under the preaching of God's word, uh, four sessions, lots of great time, archery. Uh, we have a lot of new teens coming. We have our youth group core and a lot of new teens. Fed has recruited almost his entire basketball team. So we have a lot of new guys. Yeah, so... Great recruitment has happened, uh, and we have helping us uh, Lorena and Petra and Alice and Adrian and Angel, and so uh, come on up. We're going we're to, uh, the elders are going to pray for all of us. Uh, thank you. So, yeah, seven of us chaperones, 41 uh, teens, and so um, we have raised uh, $7,000. The cost is nine grand, but again, it's a whole weekend with all these teens, amazing experience. Um, we have more asks on the way. We're seeking people. Uh, you know, God's going to provide the funds. Uh, we, we have a lot of asks out. Um, but if you would like to be a part of God providing uh, that, that shortfall of 2000 you can go to our church website, uh, the Youth Ministry Fund, and contribute there. Again, we've made a lot of asks, so God is already providing, but if you'd like to be a part of that. Uh, and definitely what we need all of you uh, is prayer. We need prayer that, that the Lord will lead the teens to place their faith in Jesus for all those unchurched teens, for, for the teens who are newer uh, or are coming back just to rededicate their lives, you know, 
to, to grow in the bonding and belonging, right? And uh, all of us, we're not going to get much sleep, you know, that weekend. We'll get some, you know, and it's going to be cold and having to regulate and check the teens at times because they're teens, you know. Um, so, yeah, please be praying for the teens and for us. All right. So, to be clear, these are not the teens that you're looking at. I know that they look young. Uh, all right, but these are our chaperones uh, that are helping. We got 41 teens, y'all, going on a teen retreat. For most of them, this is their, they do not know who Jesus is. And so um, please uh, help get them there, right? So make a gift today before you forget and sow into this. this is, these weekends are one of these things where a teen's life's going one way, and then all of a sudden after this weekend, it goes a much better way. Amen. I'm going to bring the elders up to pray over these uh, leaders and this whole retreat. All right, elders, come on up. I'm going to have uh, Pastor Dave just pray on our behalf. Extend your hand. Come on. Lord God, we look to you. Lord God, there's a tragic scripture in which read, uh, there's a generation when it's raised and doesn't know you and doesn't know what you've done. But these witnesses right here, these, these pastors, Lord God, uh, these young adults, these older adults, Lord God, thank you for that they're standing in that gap, Lord God, so that that doesn't happen, that this next generation will know you and know what, not only what you have done, but what you do do and what you will do. So, Father God, I pray that you would anoint these servants right here with the fullness of your spirit. Give them supernatural power to be able to uh, just be fully present with the teens, Lord God, even on little sleep. And I pray that you would, uh, yeah, just anoint them, strengthen them. And I pray that your spirit would just fall upon the teens this weekend, Lord God, in such a mighty way. There's no way uh, that anyone could deny it's you, Lord God, at work. And I pray that you would continue that work. You get people not only in the door, Lord God, but keep them following after you. Thank you, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic. Can't wait to hear the testimonies from that weekend. Um, really, really good. So, well, um, as a way to start into our teaching of the word, I want to tell you, I had a, when I first started dating Maggie, I had a quick revelation of who this woman was. Uh, you know, you all know Maggie, right? She's just the sweetest you know, kindest person, you know what I mean? It's like she's just always happy, she's steady, she's just that kind of person, you know what I mean? Well, when we first started dating, I got a lot of heat from my friends. You see, I was a college football player, and I lifted weights, but see, Maggie was a college swimmer, and she was much more successful at swimming than I was at football. She also lifted weights, and so our friends had us flex, and her muscle mass was bigger than mine on my arms. And so my friends just kept giving me this heat that like, oh, man, Maggie, she's stronger than you. She looks, she's got better arms than you. Maggie, you know, just going with it, she started intentionally wearing sleeveless stuff all the time around my friends. Sometimes she just kind of walked by and do that a little bit, right? It's all fun and games, but then, you know, as a man, you start to take that in a little bit. You know what I mean? It starts to bother you. And so, you know, one day, this is early, right? I'm, we're just getting to know each other. And one day she's messing around and, you know, I'm all fired up. We're having fun. And she's messing around and she just kind of flexes. I'm like, oh, that's it. No more of this, right? And I kind of grab her to do some play wrestling. I'm, I'm going to show you, right? All this stuff. And all of a sudden, I think we're play wrestling. Next thing I know, she is going 
berserk on me. She is on top, bam, she's grabbing me in some spot here. I'm like, ah, oh, what the heck? And I'm up. She goes, I had two older brothers, bring it. I was like, whoa, this is a new aspect of a woman that I had no idea she had. And from that point on, it was like, how you doing, baby? Do you need anything? You good? Great, awesome, man. Those arms are looking beautiful. When you receive deeper revelation, mm, it changes you. It changes you about people. I am praying today that we will get a deeper revelation of Jesus. For some of us, it might be a little fearful. But for all of us, it's going to be majestic and glorious that will move us to change how we live our lives in our relationship with Jesus. If you are able, please stand to honor the reading of the scripture. We are in Luke chapter 9, verse 28. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. And he's, as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see. And they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Peter and the others had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them, and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice finished, Jesus was there alone. They didn't tell anyone at the time what they had seen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are here with us. Thank you, Jesus, for making your presence known as we worship, as we took communion, as we prayed, as we confessed sin. Thank you, Jesus, that you brought us here today for a very clear reason, that you have something to speak to each one of us through your word, this word that is given to us through your spirit. So Jesus, speak. Remove any distractions. Remove apathy and casualness. Help us to lock into your word that we would hear you. We need you, Jesus. We need your leadership in our lives. Come. We are ready to listen. We pray this in your name. And all God's people said, amen. You may have a seat. Well, Jesus takes three of his disciples with him up a mountain to pray. And if you have been with us in our journey through the gospel of Luke, you are starting to see a pattern. Jesus is regularly going away from the crowds to pray. Remember, we've talked about this. Luke is the gospel of activism. This is the good news for the poor and the oppressed. Remember, Jesus started his ministry thundering that he has come to let the captives free and break off every chain. Jesus' followers are justice warriors. Can I get an amen? Jesus' followers follow Jesus in letting the captives free and bringing justice to those that are experiencing injustice. But we need to continually remind ourselves that Luke is also the gospel of prayer. 
Jesus is so crystal clear throughout Luke, there will be no societal change without spiritual change. There will be no justice without the power of God. Justice warriors must be prayer warriors. Prayer warriors are justice warriors. Amen? Why? Because prayer is what brings the perfect realm of heaven into our broken world. Prayer thins out the film that is between our realm and the heavenly realm. Verse 29 of our passage today says, As he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white. As he was praying, his face is transformed, and his clothes are dazzling white, and suddenly Moses and Elijah, two of the greatest leaders in Jewish history, are standing with Jesus, and they are glorious to see, the text tells us. As he was praying, the glorious realities of heaven begin to become clear to the three disciples. The disciples are at first sleeping. Did you catch that detail? Because it's most likely nighttime. Because we've been told that Jesus, he likes to pray at night in the mountains when everyone else is sleeping because the crowds are just always coming to him. So he gets up the mountain at nighttime to get alone with God. And so can we even begin to imagine, try to picture, you're in the ancient world. There is no electricity it is nothing but the dark of night with the stars and the moon and you're up on a mountain and all of a sudden you, you are woken up and you see the glories of heaven cracking open all around you. Jesus' face is completely radiant. His clothes are dazzling white and you are seeing ancient people from thousands of years before standing before you in heavenly bodies. People in heaven clearly have bodies, physical bodies, they clearly have physical faces, but they are not like our faces and our bodies. They are more strong, more pure. They are so perfect that they shine and glow in our world. Again, verse 29, the appearance of Jesus' face was transformed. They got to see Jesus' heavenly face, and it's different than his earthly face. See, as Jesus was praying, he got to go home. In this brief moment, he is in his perfect home, the home where there is no pain, no problems, no drama, no sickness, no injustice, no worries. As he was praying, Jesus became free from the chains of this earth, this broken and evil earth. As we pray, we briefly get to go home. You remember, church, we are meant for heaven. This is not our home. Right, And the more we pray, the more we lose a taste for the things of this world and the more we long to go home to be about the things of Jesus. The more we pray, the less we drive ourselves to try and earn more of this world. The more we pray, the less we worry about the sufferings we have to do, endure in this world because we're constantly getting this fresh taste of heaven and we're like, oh, I can wait for more of that. I can endure suffering because if I'm getting more of that, the more we pray, the more we get pulled up to heaven and the more we pull heaven into our broken world. And it is so glorious. The more we pray, the more we get pulled up into heaven and the more we pull heaven into our, our broken world and it's glorious. A week ago on Friday night, I went to bed praising God for multiple ways that he had just flexed in my life uh, all week prior. 
I had been praying a lot more for things and, and answered prayers come. And so Friday night, I am just praising God as I'm going to sleep. I, I, I'm laying in bed and I'm just feeling the joy of God. I am just like, oh, and it takes me a while to go to sleep because I'm so happy. And I fall asleep like this, right? Well, I have to get up really early on Saturday morning to take Jaden to an event. And so um, I'm having a dream as my alarm goes off. And in the dream, I'm in a church building, and, and uh, all of you are there, and people from West L.A. are all around me. I'm in the front row, and Maggie, my beautiful buff wife in the past, you know, none of us have our, you know what I mean, right? But in the dream, she's up here leading worship with the team, and the worship is popping, and we are singing with our hearts. We are singing with our hearts, and all of a sudden, as I'm singing louder because I just can't help myself, the worship team is gone. And all of a sudden, I literally start getting pulled up into the air. I'm like levitating in the dream. And the presence of God and his love is so strong. And I am just singing. My arms are out like this. And I'm just singing the song. And all of a sudden, the alarm goes off. And I realize it's a dream. And I'm like, no. No, I don't want this to stop. It was this glimpse of being home. When you get that glimpse you get a taste of the purity of God the joy of God the love of God oh you just want more as we pray we get pulled up into heaven and we pull heaven down into us what is the key to all of this transformation to all of this power in prayer what is the central, most important thing that we must anchor our lives on as we pray, as we seek the glories of heaven? Watch this now. Jesus is transformed on this mountain into his heavenly body. Moses and Elijah show up. It's, it's like a heaven hangout time. They all start talking. They are talking about the exodus from, uh, Jesus' exodus from our broken world, when Jesus will finally be liberated from the pain and suffering of this earth and back home in his perfect home. Okay, remember the focus of that conversation. So the disciples, they go to sleep on a normal mountain. They wake up on the same mountain, but all of a sudden the spiritual realm of heaven is all around them, right? They're utterly disoriented. Their teacher and master is now looking like an angel. They realize that Moses and Elijah are talking with him. Moses and Elijah are two of the greatest men in the history of their people. They are two of the holiest men. They are heroes beyond most of what our heroes are now. It is hard to communicate how big of a heroes Moses and Elijah were to Peter, James, and John. I mean, you put Martin Luther King Jr., uh, you know, uh, Michael Jordan, I mean, what? I don't know, anybody that you can think of, right? Mother Teresa, you put them all together and it's hard to match what Moses and Elijah are to the Jewish people and to all of humanity, right? They see their master Jesus with these two men. They are totally disoriented. And of course, it is Peter that just can't shut up and keep quiet. Right? Peter is the guy. We all have that person in our life. You might be that person. Things get crazy and you just start talking when you shouldn't talk. You have no filter. Right? The things that you think should stay in your brain and you're just like, blah, 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 and you just make everything worse. That's Peter. If, if that's you... You can relate to somebody in the Bible, hallelujah, amen, right? You're not alone. He doesn't ever filter, right? This is a moment when you're a human being and you wake up into this, you just chill. 
Right? You just wait for them to tell you what to do. But he just blurts out, right? He's, he's at this sacred moment. He blurts out, this is amazing. Let us build three shelters, three little tabernacle type things for all three of you. Right? So you, you, he's like, Jesus, you're a superstar on the level of Moses and Elijah? What the heck? Well, let's just build these three for all three of you to start ruling and reigning in our world right here from this mountain. This will be the star. That's, that's what he's thinking in his head. As soon as he says this, a cloud overshadows the three disciples, and they suddenly get very afraid. James and John are probably yelling under their breath to Peter, you idiot, shut up. The cloud, right? They're Jewish people. They know their history. When a cloud of God covers you on the mountain, it's probably not going to be great. God thunders from the cloud in the mountain. When all of a sudden, God the Father, who's been behind the scenes up to this point in Luke, speaking through scripture, through angels, through prophets, he's now speaking directly. The second time after Jesus' baptism, he says, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And as soon as those words come out, listen to him, Everything about heaven is gone. Moses and Elijah are gone. And the three disciples are just seeing Jesus. You see, Peter, James, and John assume that Jesus, Moses, and Elijah are all in the same category. They are all holy men who should be respected and honored. And as soon as Peter suggests this, God immediately goes, oh, no, no, no. No, don't even go there. Jesus is my son. He's my chosen. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is on a whole other level than Moses and Elijah. Listen to Jesus. Moses and Elijah were regular human beings. They had sin. They had brokenness. They had problems. They were incredibly faithful to God. And God honored them and pulled them up into heaven. But Jesus is the son of God. He has coexisted with the Father for all of eternity. There is no blemish in him. There is no fault in him. There is no sin in him. He never has the wrong idea. There is no mistake in him. He is perfectly wise when it comes to holiness and power. Jesus is literally on the same level of the Father. Jesus has all the characteristics of God, and Jesus came to us. Listen to him. Listen to him. These three Jewish men would be reeling as they look at Jesus. They know their people's history. They know that God would appear on a mountain and give lots of instructions to Moses. Now God has appeared on a mountain, but all he does is give one simple instruction. Listen to Jesus. His words are my words. Whatever he says is what I say. He's literally me. He speaks for the family. His words are on the same level of reverence and wisdom, clarity and power as mine. Listen to him. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is supreme. Do we listen to Jesus above all other instructors in our lives? There are two ways that God is meaning listen to Jesus, to these disciples in this moment. The first is to listen to the teaching that Jesus just gave the disciples. Because right before this, it's the core of how to follow Jesus and it is a tough teaching to take in. And in fact, the disciples didn't like it. We're gonna see that teaching in two weeks. 
And so God makes sure the disciples don't walk away from the hardcore teaching and go, yeah, maybe Jesus is being a little extreme, you know. Eight days later, they're in heaven with God, and he's making it very clear every word out of Jesus' mouth. You listen. God is clearly referring to the teaching that has just come before, but he's obviously meaning all of Jesus' instructions, all of his words. So church, do we hold Jesus' words as supreme? Do we run to his words with every question and decision? Are we hungry to know his words more than any other? Do we submit to his words more than any other? Moses and Elijah were the big dogs in the disciples' world. Well, who are the big dogs that you look to for the leadership in your life? Is it instruction you get from movies and TV shows and musicians? I mean, do Hollywood writers have more pull on your life than Jesus? Is it the mob of people who scream different mantras and teaching from social media? Is it the crowd that is your supreme leader? Is it family members or close friends? People who are mostly good influences on you. Moses and Elijah were really good influences. People around you that would have aspects of what they would tell you, Jesus would say, great, that's awesome. But even great family members or friends are not supreme. Jesus alone, his words alone, his leadership is supreme. Who calls the shots in your life? Are you supreme? Are you the one that is supreme for yourself? Ooh, church, foolishness and arrogance, that destroys lives. Foolishness and arrogance destroys lives. Who calls the shots in how you treat people who are difficult for you to treat? Who calls the shots in how you deal with your money? Who calls the shots in how you think about politics? Who calls the shots when it comes to your romantic and sexual desires? We are usually so afraid of telling any, any, it's of anyone telling us what to do, especially when we don't like their words. We need to trust the person that we make supreme. We have to put all trust in the people that we or the person that we make supreme. And, and usually that, because of that, it's us. We just fall back into, I'm the one that calls the shots in my life. And therefore we get in a cycle of failing and messing up, failing and messing up. God is breaking through in a big way here to convince us that Jesus alone is supreme and that his words are what we need to lead our lives. We need to remember Jesus' motivation for all of his words and instructions, even the hard stuff, right? What is his mission? I have come to release the captives, give sight to the blind, to free the oppressed, and to bring the favor of God. He's only out for your good. He is only out to set you free, to give you the very best life. His tough words are like a good doctor who says, hey, you need to do these hard things now so that you don't get sick and die. Jesus is our supreme doctor. He's also like that great sports coach who pushes the athletes to put their muscles through pain so that they can grow and then be able to perform in the game when the challenge is great. Jesus is our supreme coach. He's for you, church. He is for you. Look at this text, right? We get to see Jesus in a moment when he is home. What must that have been like for God to be living for 100 million and more years in the perfect environment? in the place with no pain, no sickness, no tiredness, no stress, no enemies, no even annoying people. That's gonna be incredible in heaven. 
Can I get an amen? Not even annoying people. You won't annoy anybody else in heaven. Amen. Everyone is amazing in heaven. There is no crime. There is no sadness. There is no poverty. There is no injustice. That has been his world for hundreds of millions and more years. It's beyond what we can even dream on. And then he has to put on our human body, our fragile, pain-ridden, tired, fatigued, stressed human body. And he's got to start walking around with the weather bothering him. Dang mosquitoes all over him. You know what I mean? And then he's got to walk around with a bunch of people who are cruel. What must that shock have been like? How he must have in this moment on this mountain breathed deeply the air of heaven. I mean, remember the focus of the conversation? They're all talking about when are you coming home? (laughs) When are you coming home? He, and the thing is, he's got all the power right there to just stay in heaven. But what does he do? He puts back on his fragile human body and he walks down the mountain. Why? This is my son. Listen to him. He walks down and literally two verses later, we are told that a father says to Jesus, my only son has a demon inside of him and is killing him violently. Please save him. And Jesus does. Do you see the connection? God, the father in heaven, has sent his only son to save a father whose only son is held captive by a demon. Jesus, the son, has come to liberate sons who can't be liberated by anyone else. There is no hero in humanity who can liberate a kid from a demon. There is only one who reigns supreme over the dark underworld of demons. There is only one who can destroy the spiritual foundations of injustice. God does not hold his son back to keep his son in heavenly comforts. Jesus does not turn this back, his back on this boy and say, I'm going back up the mountain. You can figure this all out on your own. I'm not going to get dirty. The supreme son has come down the mountain to suffer so that our sons and daughters can be liberated from their suffering. Amen. When Jesus speaks, listen. When he speaks into your self-focusedness and your selfishness, he's trying to liberate you. When he speaks into your romantic and sex life, he's trying to liberate you. When he speaks into your financial life, he's trying to liberate you. When he speaks and says, hey, stop the routine of life, stop your busyness, stop your addiction to entertainment, and come up to the mountain and pray. He's trying to liberate you. He did not leave heaven to come down into our world so that we would say, what's up, Jesus, as we walk by? He did not come to be simply acknowledged or simply respected. He did not come to be a cosmic police officer, come around and just spanking everybody for screwing up. He did not come to help us get the life that we want, that we expect him to give us. He came to liberate us from demons. He came to set us free from the deception that we can be our own God. He came to be supreme in our life. He came to lead us. He came to take charge of every aspect. He came that we would worship him as the supreme one, the only one worthy of our love and submission. And when that gets in you, I will listen to Jesus. Your life gets set free, and then others get set free. Some friends of mine, brothers and sisters in our Antioch churches, they decided to listen to Jesus, and they decided to follow his model. They left the comforts of America and went for months to just stay right at the border between Ukraine and Poland at the height of the war. I mean, it's still going on, but this was like 
when it's really, really getting crazy in the early months. And it was utter chaos, they said, as they were living there. There were so many Ukrainians fleeing, coming across the border to Poland. And the majority of the people fleeing were women, children, and the elderly. People were sleeping everywhere in Poland. I mean, in every little space they could find. And it was just pure survival mode. And these couple Americans who had left the comforts of America, they just start walking around, just serving as best they can, praying. They would get up and pray and worship to say, Lord Jesus, help us. They would go out there and they'd work with Pol the Polish people. They'd work with Ukrainian pastors. One day, as they're on the streets, they notice um, two younger ladies being enticed into a car. And they had been told by the folks that had been there even longer that there were a lot of men praying on the vulnerable. What a sick world we live in, in the midst of a war, and people displace, and men are trying to grab these girls to traffic them. And these women were in survival mode. They're just trying to figure out how to eat. And the Americans could tell as they were walking up that they could tell that this is a trafficking situation where they were trying to kidnap these girls, so they stepped in and they saved the girls, and the car takes off. It was raining. And right there in the rain, they started talking with the girls about Jesus, the Savior of the world, the one who has come into our evil and pain to rescue and save us and liberate us. These girls just started crying. They didn't want to leave in the midst of the rain. Just having this moment of revelation that Jesus literally provided dudes from America to help them in this moment get them into relationships. And then, of course, they brought them into the Christian community where they were able to receive food and shelter, and they're still being um, taken care of to help build a new life. You see, the American men, the Ukrainian women, they all saw a new revelation of Jesus as, as something way bigger than what they had known before, and it caused them to listen to him. See, we don't, we don't make God supreme out of duty. Right? We don't want to go, okay, I want to listen to Jesus. Let me just hunker this down. What we do is we follow the model and we get to the mountaintop. We take a pause on life and we go, let's go dig deep with Jesus and let's get a new revelation of Jesus, a fresh taste of heaven that will propel us to listen to his words. See, to make Jesus supreme in your life, the first step is just give him your time. Just give him your time. To stop walking by him and, and just stop and be with him. Give him a chance to open up your eyes to his majesty, to the glories of heaven that he wants to deposit into your life. Get up to the mountain and pray. Prayer at first is always difficult. As soon as you try to start to pray more, the, our great enemy will do everything he can to get you to stop to pray. Because he also knows that prayer is the absolute engine that brings change and God coming close to our lives. And so we help each other by sticking with it, pushing into it. So I'm going to have our worship team come up. We're going to take some time right now just to press into Jesus. Press into his goodness. Pause and be with him. And then we are going to help each other in different ways over these next many months, right? You've, you have heard from Sergio about the retreats that we are having. Men, if you haven't signed up yet, take that step, that literal step to say, Jesus, I'm going to make you supreme of that weekend. I'm going to cancel the plans that I have, 
and I'm going to literally get up to a mountain, and I'm going to give you a weekend to get a fresh revelation of you, a fresh taste of heaven that will completely change the course of my life and my ability and desire to listen to you. Ladies, we have your retreat in May. Start saving right now. Prepare yourself right now for that retreat. But we're going to do more. A week from tomorrow, on February 28th, our, uh, our, all of our churches and our association, all the churches in the U.S., so in L.A., you know, it's Hope Community Church, it's West L.A., Pasadena, Fullerton, Irvine, and then all of our, our church sites and works around the world is coming together to do three days of fasting and prayer together to seek Jesus, to make him supreme, to ask for healing, to ask for leadership and guidance in our lives, to ask for breakthrough in our families and in our cities. We are all coming together. We're all going up on the mountain together. Amen? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, a week from tomorrow. And as I was mulling on this, I felt convicted by God to give him my time. And so I'm eliminating everything from my schedule except the very essentials that I can't eliminate. And I'm going to open up our church from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, a week from tomorrow. From 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., right here in this room, it will be a holy and sacred place. There will be worship music. There will be times to pray. We don't, we're not going to set a big agenda. You can come for 15 minutes. You can come for three hours. You can come for the whole day. You can come and pray your heart out in the front. You can sit in the back. You can lay down and take a nap in the holy presence of God. But we are saying, Jesus, we need you. We need a taste of heaven that we would follow you. And so next, so prepare yourself this week. Ask the Lord, what is it, Lord, that you would want me to fast from for those three days with the brothers and sisters from around the world? Is it food? Is it media? Is it social media? How, what, what is it, Lord, that you want me to pause and stop and press in? And knowing that if you need a place to pray more, this, this space will be open, 9 to 9, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Oh, he's good. And he wants to be the center of our life. And so let's just take a time right now. Let's just take a time to respond. Come, Lord Jesus. God, it's hard for us to even understand how much you love us. We keep pushing you away. God, help us to see you clearly. You choose to come down the mountain every day. You choose to cry with us, to suffer with us. Your spirit is always with us in our pain. You love us. You want to be the center. Come, Lord Jesus. I'm going to invite us to, to stand, to, to just start this time by just giving him, those of us who can, just stand, give him our physical bodies, our mind, our focus to sing with our team. And then you know how we are family here. In this space, if you know that you need it, it'll just help you come down to the front and worship down here. 
and you coming down here and just worshiping and praying God, then somebody, that means somebody will come and pray for you down here, be with you, and you can just have that focus time. I am that kind of person that sometimes I just need to be in the front so that I just, there's nothing distracting me. I just need to focus in on Jesus. Some of you know you just need to sit right there and soak it in, be honest with Jesus. Some folks might come around just to offer prayer for you where you are at. Lord, we need you. Lift us up. Lift us up into your love. Lift our spirits up. Lift us up, Lord Jesus. Surround us. Hug us with heaven, with your glory right now as we sing and as we pray.